Today, I'm talking to Ted Korczyk. Todd Gorishek, yeah. Gorishek, Gorishek. Uh -huh. <laughs> Sorry for that one. <laughs> it's all good, man. Um, and the thing is why I wanted to talk to you, why I'm looking forward to talk to you, is that you have a strong focus on um, on men coaching, which is uh, which is kind of interesting for me because I think so. Why do men need a special attention for coaching? Um, I understand why men need coaching, but I mean, why you focus on men? Because men in general have like had a lot more attention already, and you know, other groups maybe not. So why did you focus on men? Hmm. Well, that's an interesting perspective you have. Um, My perspective is the focus originally came from my own background, my own experience, my own purpose that I have in life. Um, so my the focus is more about where I'm coming from and how I want to live and fulfill my purpose in the world. And it focuses on men. And I have coached women and women are great. Um, you know, it's interesting when I look at different coaching platforms where um, individuals are seeking coaches, I feel there are many more women who reach out for coaching just by the numbers that I'm seeing than men. So I feel that sometimes men need to be encouraged to, to coach, uh, to step into coaching. Um, in general, um, there can be an attitude of, being an island and doing it on your own and not asking for help and, and all of these things. And my experience in life has been when I reached out and went through my personal journey, if I had men in my life who were helping me move along and it really made a huge difference. Um, so <clears throat> why men? I mean, the world's basically 50-50 men, women. So what, eight billion people on the planet? So I, I have four billion people. So there's plenty of men to, to speak with and to work with. So that's not an issue. Really what it comes down for me is reducing chaos in the world. And I grew up in a situation with a stepdad. Um, my real dad died when I was three. And It was very harsh, very angry, very scary, and a lot of chaos. And that's eventually what led me into coaching. I've had three careers, so coaching is my third career. Um, but as I was doing my own personal journey and figuring myself out, um, I recognized the value of one man working with another man and the power that has to help that man along. That was the experience I had. It's kind of like steel sharp, steel sharpened steel. And I receive and get wonderful things from women. And there are some things that help me as a man to look another man in the eye and for him to speak what he sees, to reflect, to, to challenge me, to reflect the gold that he sees in me and coming from a man um, that's a very powerful experience. And so that's what I try to create in my coaching as well. So you mentioned you had three careers. What was your first career? My first career was uh, in corporate America. And I ended up, I went to college and I was pre-med. So I did all the pre-med courses. Um, it was a 
that was the thing I had to work out in my personal journey. It was more of a uh, family expectation. Um, the message was, if you're not a doctor, you're really not anything. And so um, I didn't really want to be a doctor. But I did pre-med, and I also got a business degree. Um, I met my wife in college, started our family. I have two terrific sons who are grown now. And as I graduated from college, or I got time to apply to medical school, I had the business degree. I had my family, and I'm like, no, this isn't what I want to do. So I went into corporate America. And I did that for several years. And um, in the early 90s, a lot of companies were doing downsizing. And I was a, um, a company at the time, a large company, and they did a downsizing and they basically eliminated my next three jumps. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is not good. So I thought, well, maybe I should have been a doctor. So um, because I had the pre-med courses, I could immediately get back into school as a pharmacist. I applied to pharmacy school, got right in. I knew I had to get some more school behind me to apply to medical school. So I did that and I didn't get into medical school and that's great. I shouldn't be a doctor. That's not my gifting. Um, but I did end up being a pharmacist. So that was career number two. And um, I worked in a hospital. I was on the medical team in the neonatal intensive care unit. And I did that for almost 20 years. And it was a great career. I worked with fantastic people, but always my interest was in the relationships and my colleagues and, and kind of what was going on. My passion wasn't about mixing drugs and providing drugs and doing all this, you know, drug therapy and calculations and all that stuff. I could do it and I did it, but there was no passion there. What happened with me, I was 40 years old. I mean, it's so cliche, right? So cliche, 40 years old, midlife crisis, whatever. By the way, I've had, I tr trust a midlife crisis at 30, at 50, at 40, and at 50. So I just turned 60, and I don't feel like there's one here or, or around the corner. So I think maybe I've looked through them all. But anyway, at 40 years old, I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm like, you've got a really great life. You've got a great career. You've got a great family. Everything looks really good. But I was dying inside and I was dying inside because the experience I had growing up when I was 17 years old and I left um, to begin college, I had no self-esteem. I had no confidence. It was horrible. I was smart. And that's the thing that saved me. I mean, I could navigate. And um, but at 40, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, yeah, dude, you are still that same 17 year old kid that is just lacking any type of confidence and assertion to push into what you want in life. I had created a nice life, but I put it in a very tight box because I could control it. It wasn't scary. It wasn't, um, you know, challenging. I mean, um, it was safe, pretty safe box. It was also suffocating and I couldn't do it anymore. And uh, so at 40, I did a deep dive into self-development, personal growth, men's work. And it was in that process that I found my base. I found my confidence. I found my brilliance. I just, it was transformational. It changed the game. I blew the box up. Um, and, you know, I was on that path fully entirely for like 15, I'm still on the path, but a good 15 years. 
a few years into it, I started sharing with men, my friends, guy friends, what I was learning and what I was understanding about beliefs that sabotage us, that limit us, that get in our way, the things we think are true that are not. And as I was sharing with my friends, I was watching them create a different perspective on their lives and the things that they could do. And this expanded out and I started holding men's circles and guys I didn't even know were showing up. And I was doing this for years. But over those years, what I was seeing were tremendous transformations of men um, taking a step into a new career, a new challenge, uh, creating relationships that were what they wanted and not what they had been getting. And I'm like, holy smokes, this is pretty cool. And it was much more exciting than pharmacy. So in 2014, um, decided to do another career change. And I went to coaching school and did that for about a year and a half. I was still a pharmacist, got that done. And 2016, my wife and I sold everything we owned. We moved to Ecuador because I had always wanted to live on the ocean and I could afford it in Ecuador. And I wanted to learn Spanish and I wanted to have a non-US life experience. And I wanted to start my online coaching practice. The, the plan was always coaching online so I could basically coach from any beach in the world. And that's what I do and I'm still doing it today. So right now I'm in Colombia, <clears throat> kind of bounce back between Ecuador and Colombia. And I've um, been doing it since 2016, working full-time with men, helping them with their career, their relationships. I'm living my purpose um, every day. I am excited to get on a call with a guy to help him figure out how he can step into his fullest potential and how he can push into that growing edge. And when all of that's happening, what I believe is the man is more authentic, more congruent, more um, in alignment with his own purpose and passions. And when you're doing that, that sideways chaotic garbage that I grew up with that affects relationships and families and all of that, it doesn't happen or happens less, right? And um, so I feel I'm contributing that way. So coaching is my third career. Long, long answer to your, to your question. But also, at some point, you were a real estate investor. Yeah, um, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. So even though I was a pharmacist, um, I was always pushing into some different areas, um, trying to uh, touch a, a, a place of enjoyment, success, that I had real estate was one vehicle to do that. So I did that for a number of years while I was a pharmacist. Um, that was just a reflection of the entrepreneur and me wanting to come out. Right, right. So you mentioned that at some point you felt maybe even, even three times now, like 30, 40 and 50, um, you felt like you were dying inside. What was that like? How did how did you see that? How, how did it come out? Yeah. It felt suffocating in the sense that I wasn't fully engaging in life in the way I wanted to do it. So what it would look like is um, I felt very uncomfortable around men as far as my ability to 
keep up, to, you know, um, perform, to compete, to do, do all that stuff. So I would shy away from sports activities. I would shy away from some social engagements. I mean, and even if I did it, there was just this dis-ease, this uneasiness in me. And that was just a reflection of the lack of confidence and self-esteem I had for myself, um, which makes me laugh now in a way because it feels so different today. And yet it was a real thing and it just kept me stifled. So I talked about how I, I really want to see a man step into his fullest potential and step into that growing edge. That growing edge is the place of uncertainty, right? You can't see it all clearly. You have to step into it. You can see a little bit, step further into it, you see a little bit more. Um, but that is a scary proposition on some levels. Um, but I, once I did that, I learned to trust myself and I really had an understanding of what I could do. Um, so, you know, that the critical moment was at, it was at 40. At 30, you know, it was just more of a, looking at what I'd done in my career so far, feeling dissatisfied about it and just thinking I need to do something different. I really, I wasn't even close to really looking at me internally and everything that was going on. I wish I would have, my God, if I could have done that at 30, I mean, save those 10 years before I started this journey. Um, phenomenal. Um, and I'm happy. It is what it is. And, you know, I take it as it comes, but earlier the better. Right. How do you feel that habits play a role in this because you talked about uh, small changes in getting to the new way and finding the scary overwinning the scary in part how do how do habits play? well habits are a muscle right um, i mean it's no different than working out and building a muscle so the more i put myself out there the more i engaged in actions and activities with other people and places, um, the more confident I became in being able to handle the situations, the conversations, the activities, whatever it is, right? Um, you know, I tell people, my wife and I sold everything we own, we moved to Ecuador, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and they're like, oh my gosh, I, I could never do that. And it's like, that took me 10 years to do. I did not move. I mean, I started the, the thing at 40, I kicked me off, but we didn't move until I was 53. So there were several years that there was just a lot of thinking, a lot of thinking and not a lot of doing. And if you want to get anything done, habits, you need action. And, um, but what I started to do was challenge myself to, to learn, um, to grow, to practice and it got easier and easier and then i could take bigger steps so the bigger step was wow i've been helping people in a coaching mode but it's not really official and what would it be like to actually do this as a living as a career and um, have that as my source of income livelihood and that was a big deal too but um, it was just building it up taking action taking steps and then it finally happened and so then i wanted to have this career in a foreign country. And I think, you know, that was kind of the big deal. Um, but I worked up to it. And it was just from good habits of pushing myself and engaging in 
conversations with people that challenged me, that helped me to see, um, can I coach? Right? Can I, can I listen? Can I add value? And I convinced myself I could. And I truly believe I do. So there you go. What are some of the habits that you start working with with your clients? I think goal setting is one that I start with. It's like identifying goals that you want to create and then taking, creating, identifying steps to make that happen, setting times, dates, using a calendar, using reminders, um, to help keep them moving forward. So within that coaching, I mean, we can follow metrics. I mean, sometimes it's you know, exercise. Sometimes it's managing anxiety or stress and tracking that. And so that becomes creating processes and practices and doing them um, to help navigate that landscape. So basically identifying what it is you want identifying a practice or a process is going to help you get there and then track it. That's how I do it. Right, right, right. You have been, if you are certified by the International Coach Federation or a member of, how important is that for your work? How important is that for you? I am a member of ICF. I'm, I'm not a big on certifications, right? I am not big on that aspect of it. I have a bias that many people get educations that they don't use or they may not need in a way that, um, and I think maybe this is some of my entrepreneurial spirit coming out um, to be able to go and make their way in life. Um, what I love about ICF, and I think it's valuable and needed is a standardization of our coaching industry, right? Um, I love the um, ethics and values that they hold. I love being a member that I am going to hold myself accountable um, to that standard. And I think that's important because in coaching, anybody can call themselves a coach. You can go to any type of training to be coached. It could be a online certification. It could be a one day class. It could be whatever it is. And, um, and that's why I don't put a lot of, that's why I don't put, um, a lot of emphasis on the certification because I think what really matters is the actual practice and the doing and how many people are you coaching and what are you doing with that coaching? Um, so that's the, that's where I come from. All right. Yeah, I, I can see, I can see that I am not a member of ICF. Um, and I can see uh, how it's valuable and at the same time, as an entrepreneur, it's, you think it's really important. Yeah. Well, you know, let's just address that for one moment because at the crux of this, and I tell my potential clients, it's important for you to find a coach that you resonate with. And not only that you resonate with in the sense of, oh, I think this is a good guy. I think we'll get along. One that you think is going to challenge you. I mean, what I'm really good at is calling out BS. And I can do that in a way that is very supportive. I grew up being thrown up, thrown under the bus. That is just something I will not tolerate. 
in a, in a relationship with anybody. And so, um, but because of that, I think, I think that comes through to my clients. So I can tell them hard truths, observations, things that I see that are going on and, um, they, they can receive it in a way that, that doesn't feel shaming or threatening or, or, or negative. It's very supportive, but, uh, so, you know, back to the relationship a client has with this coach is really what's going to determine how successful I think that coaching process is going to be. I mean, obviously the coach needs to have skills and client needs to be willing to do a lot of things, but there's something in that dynamic that makes it work well, as opposed to going with someone based on, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm okay with credentials and all that. I think that's great. But that's not going to get you where you want to go if you are not engaged and connected with the coaching and the coaching process, in my opinion. Hmm, good point. I, in one of your videos, you told that you have a business coach itself. The obvious question would be, so why do you have a business coach since you are a coach and you are running your business successfully in a way that you want to live like everywhere in the world, coach online, doing on a beach, making these videos. Why do you need a coach? I love this question. I'm a good coach, maybe even a great coach. I'm not so great at building a business. It's an entirely different skill set. And I was fumbling around for many years in the beginning of trying to build my coaching practice. When I had clients, they loved me. They stayed with me. We worked through things. We were successful. We got things done. But getting the flow of clients in, creating the funnel, creating the, the um, outreach and exposure um, to make that happen, that, um, that's a different skill set. That's not coaching. That is business acumen, right? And when I hooked up with a business coach, a very good one, it changed the game. It changed the game on how I market because, and I hate all of that, right? That, that's just like, ugh. but marketing is real. And if you want to have a coaching practice where you have clients coming in, it's important to understand how to market that. And so that's some of the stuff I had to learn um, to be successful. But, uh, you know, I have personal coaches too. I've always had a personal coach since, God, I don't know, since my 40s, I guess. Um, what I can appreciate about a business coach is it's a specialized type of coaching. Um, it's specific for a need that I have. And um, I'm happy that I had enough smarts to like reach out and make that happen. Game changer. I think the part about not liking so much the marketing and the outreach and everything, that's a very common thing for coaches, right? Coaches love their coaching work, mm -hmm. but the marketing work, not so much. And I agree, it's really important. I actually think that a lot of coaching programs or coaching trainings, how to become a coach, 
they teach a lot about coaching, but don't teach enough about the business part, about how to get clients and how to keep clients and how to maintain uh, the business and everything. So um, for me, for example, the HSC program from Coach at Me was, was a, had a lot to do with that part to, you know, to build a program, to, you know, have the profile, right. To make sure that you have a lot of focus, you have a niche, you have clarity, all that stuff. And I know this because I, I, I love marketing, but you know, doing it for yourself is always different than doing it for clients as I experienced myself. <laughs> Great point. Um, I think that it's important to recognize coaching itself requires a certain kind of skill set and ability that I agree with you. People go into coaching, they have. I mean, that's generally what draws them in. And the whole business side of it is a different skill set. And that person may or may not have that. And I, I didn't have it. And it's not that the person is not smart enough to figure it out. It's I personally had to work through some of my own biases and mind blocks and beliefs about marketing because it's cheesy to me, right? It's like, ah. um, but I found it was great. I found how to do it in a way that's authentic to me. And I love my um, prospect calls, talking with a pers prospective client because it feels genuine. It feels authentic. It feels real. I could care less what the outcome is. And the reason I have the liberty to say I could care less what the outcome is, is because I have a track record of whatever happens in that space seems to work and we end up coaching together and, you know, I have a flourishing business. It's phenomenal. But coming into a call and just being me and doing it in a way that's authentic, how I want to do it, it's freedom. It's total freedom. I love it. How do you get those calls? What do you do to get those calls? I use a couple different coaching platforms for leads. I have uh, my website, which draws some people in. I have my YouTube channel, which also helps. I have referrals, coach.me. Got clients from coach.me that I continue on in a one-on-one -on -one personal coaching. Uh, so that's pretty much that's pretty much how it is. And then I do newsletters, right? You know, that kind of stuff. How often do you send newsletters? I send newsletters out twice a month, um, and it's just a way to engage with my the people I have coached, people I am coaching. Right, and you put those newsletters as posts on your blog too, right? All right, they go to my blog. Mm -hmm. And and do you like combine the topics that you discuss in your videos with your newsletter? Is that like the same topic, or how do you do this? Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, right? So I'm big on repurposing. If I can do a video and I've got a topic and then I can turn it into print on my blog, I mean, I'm certainly going to do that. Oftentimes, my newsletters, because I do them twice a month, so I've had a couple of weeks to meet, you know, have some client engagements and conversations. Sometimes there's something that comes up that I feel was significant, interesting, powerful, helpful and that will be the topic of the newsletter um, it's pretty organic it's been suggested to me by my business coaches to like put out you know topics right now for the rest of the year and that's just not how i roll i don't like it i like a little bit of spontaneity and organicness and how i do stuff
I I saw a post. It's a bit older, but it triggered well something in me that I wanted to at least ask you questions about it. Um, it's on LinkedIn. It's about but I'm a decent white guy. What it was? It's 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 a post from 2016, so it's a bit older. But what what triggered that post for you? Why did you needed to write that? So I'm all about connection, right? And at that time, what was happening and was going on was a lot of division in the U.S. My experience with people of different color than myself is positive. It's good. And I think what I saw happening was what I judged to be a lack of understanding of others. And I also saw fear in that lack of understanding. It, it kind of comes like, if somebody gets this, then I lose that. And that, that's some of the mentality I saw going on. And I don't, I don't believe it. You know, I don't think that's true. Um, so I had, I had written that. My hope is just to create greater understanding and more connection between people. You know, the whole reason I went to Ecuador to live in a Latin country and um, learn a new culture, be part of a new culture, um, it makes the world better. The more we understand each other, the more we see how we're so much the same and then how the differences we have are actually beautiful. They're um, special. Um, I think that's cool. So that was my, that was my drive in that. Do you think, because I, I didn't see that kind of similar topics anymore in your latest videos, do you think it's, it's, it's the same getting worse or is it better the way that we understand each other? Um, well, maybe it depends on what country you're in. From my perspective as a person from the US, I do not think it's getting better. Um, I still think it is what it was in 2016. Um, I hope it gets better. Um, but as far as the perspective I have in the US culture and society, I see it being coming more closed off, more separated, more angry, more chaos. It's, it's, I don't think it's good. Right. And that I think is, I was going to say it has a lot to do with the things that you probably talk about in your coaching with men. Um, in my coaching, I do not approach politics or religion. And the reason I do don't do that is because I coach people that have different viewpoints, right? And my interest is connecting with you as my client in the coaching relationship to really get to your authentic self and whatever it is you're working on or doing or wanting and for you to be congruent in your choices and for you to be aware and, and um, take ownership of consequences, right? And conversations about the other stuff gets in the way of that, right? 
and I understand. And also, I think the, the the thing that you described with you your own experience was that you felt you were living in this small and tiny box, and you need to do expand and grow. And the the, the things that were happening and still are happening is is the fact that you know, I think a lot of men specifically are in this tight box and want to keep that box as small as possible, and that's why they fear the change and they make noise against the change. Yeah. I think fear causes us to create a contained environment to build a box to keep us safe. And so a lot of what I do in coaching addresses beliefs that have led to that fear or false beliefs about ourselves that keep us maybe on the defense with others. And when we can work through that and you understand who you really are and the brilliance that you bring to the world, um, there's less anxiety, there's less negative energy going out about trying to like protect yourself or, or I don't know, to be aggressive, I think. I think when you and I as men understand who we are and what we're about, that's a solid place to stand on. And I can, I can allow people to walk their own journey, grow in their own way, give them space to do what needs to be done because I know who I am and I can state who I am and I can state what I'm about, right? I don't have to apologize for it either, but I can allow people the space to grow. So I'm um, just to like get back to the beginning is what is your mission? What do you feel is your mission in life? Yeah, I have one. So what I'm about is creating a strong and compassionate world. I, I do purpose mission statements with men all the time. And so my buzzwords for me are strong and compassionate. And those words are like an iceberg in the ocean. So strong is the tip, but strong represents justice, fairness, equality, um, integrity, accountability, I mean, all of that stuff, right? So I'm about bringing that more of that into the world. And compassion is about love and kindness and um, um, sensitivity and caring and maybe some self-sacrifice. I mean, whatever that is, right? Um, but that's the kind of world I want to create. And I'm going to do that by creating a transformational space. This is what I'm really good at. I can create a space for a man to do his work, to deal with what he's got to deal in. And I can do that because he feels empowered. He feels trusted and um, he feels understood. And that's the space I can create. And that's where, that's where the, the magic happens. And it feels almost like, like a contradiction or like a dynamic balance, right? So strong and compassion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I enjoy the male archetypes, the four male archetypes of um, lover, warrior, magician, and king. And 
So warrior to me, so like strong, right? Warrior to me isn't so much about fighting and war and things like that. Warrior to me is about the strength. It's about the brotherhood. It's about, it's about having, having the strength to stand up and speak out when you think things are wrong. Or it's about the strength of speaking your own truth about who you are and what your boundaries are and being able to maintain them and, and identify them clearly. I mean, that's a lot of warrior work um, because it's easy. It's easy to go with the flow. It's easy to just agree when you don't agree. It's easy to be quiet. Um, it's easy to do all of that stuff. It takes some real strength to do the other. Okay. So I want to, show people um this is you on coach.me and so this is your profile these are your some of your packages that you have for example the go-getter um, like you just mentioned setting goals getting to the goals and waking up early accountability accelerator so so these are some of the programs that you do and you have these great videos with the program so that's a, a way to get to know you your website is here as well and if you find you, if you look at YouTube on your channel for empowered men coaching, then you can see all these videos of you. If you also want to, if you want to go and visit that profile of Todd, um, you just can scan the code or just type in the URL, which also is at the bottom, which is easy coach.me slash Todd. And then you directly go to his profile and you can see what he's doing and you can look at other things as well. It's like career and confidence for men. That's what you do. So um, thank you, Todd, for sharing with me um, something I I don't focus on a lot about, you know, these things about men. Even I work with entrepreneurs and, you know, most of them are male, but I'm focusing most on the business part and not so much on the men part. Um, but it was good to learn from you. And also by finding your own road in you know through your life that could use this and also you know moving to a different country and finding other cultures and learning from that i think that's that's interesting too um so it was uh it was great talking to you thank you well thank you erno i appreciate it and i really appreciate you doing what you're doing here as far as um, speaking with different coaches and seeing what's available for people to help them on their journey take that next step become that next um better person they want to be. Um, so good on you. Thank you.